Hello and you're all very welcome along to episode 23 of the GA Statsman podcast and I hope you're all keeping wonderfully well. I'm your host Matt Hurley and in today's edition I welcome on GA fitness coach Gary O'Daly. Now Gary actually had me on an IG live on Wednesday. Go check that out on Gaz Gaelic Guide. I'll provide the link to his Instagram account in the bio of this episode. I'd really recommend players who are returning to play to listen to this interview as there's brilliant advice on how to avoid injury and how to get up to full speed after a long lockdown. We'll also talk about his time at the Roscommon Minor Panel, his time at the TG Car Underdog Show in 2018 and his general all-order predictions for 2021. Don't forget to give this podcast a rating on Apple Podcasts and without further delay, let's get into it. So I'm here with fitness instructor Gary O'Daly, just to talk about his Instagram account, Gaz Gaelic Guide, a bit about his story with the underdogs in 2018, and a bit about his all our predictions as well in this interview. I suppose, first of all, Gary, we chatted yesterday as we recorded this on Thursday with Instagram Live yesterday on your account, um, so we know each other pretty well. Uh, how have you been since yesterday even? Yeah, good. It was a really good chat yesterday. I really enjoyed it, uh, going into your stats and that. I'm not doing too bad now myself, um, just kind of preparing uh, for training tomorrow evening. So it's kind of taking the handy today, did a, did a light gym session and then trying to, try to get a bit more carbs and board now today. So nice relaxed day myself. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, and, uh, we talked about the weather off air there as well. Like the weather was so much better yesterday and it's absolutely drenching today. It's um, raining hectic now today, both Cork and where you are in Galway, like it's Hopefully it's stopping over the weekend and hopefully we get the weather from yesterday even. And um, I suppose going into your Instagram account, first of all, Gaz Gaelic Guide, um, when did your idea come about with uh, GA coaching and GA fitness and all that? I actually started the account uh, because it was um, summer 2019 and I broke my hand. I actually I broke a, a small bone in my hand. It was that training and it got caught in a bib when I was going to tackle. Of all things to break your hand, it was a bib. Um, I just snapped the bone here in my hand um, and I used to work in a chemistry lab uh, I have a degree in, in medical biotechnology so I used to work in a chemistry lab up in Dublin and I was out of the lab for, for weeks and uh, it's kind of finicky little objects you use them and, and instruments and stuff and whatever it was I was able to play football when I taped it up I was able to go to the gym and my training was everything was fine it was just I wasn't able to do my day-to-day job just the, my hand wasn't able to do the little bits it was just it was causing pain um, so I was bored off my head because I was in work I wasn't able to take it off and I was doing like a desk-based job and a job that was 80% in a lab so it was kind of getting very repetitive and boring so I was thinking right I'm going to have to do something here because I'm going to go off my head with boredom and I need something to occupy myself so like I was seeing other other fitness accounts out there and I kind of I was hesitant for ages and um, I have a PT cert since October 2018 uh, that was something again I kind of just did in, in my spare time I was always interested in it um, and I never used this or anything. And I, I thought to myself, look, at, now is as good a time as any to start this. I'm just going to put up what I'm doing, what I'm eating every day, wh- how I train and how I'm kind of preparing for games. Uh, and then with the name, I thought the name was just a little bit it kind of rhymed. And I always appreciate alliteration. So the Gal- Gaelic Guide, it was a little bit different. It wasn't like, you know, Gary O'Daly PT or Gary O'Daly Fitness. I think oh, there's so many names like that already. I think I, I thought the name kind of stood out a little bit more more than just oh just a PT um but I kind of I suppose I, I of course can cater to anyone's fitness and that but everyone kind of I suppose associate me now with, with Gaelic coaching and, and sports coaching and um, just I get that out there if anyone who is listening is, is looking for any fitness fans who aren't playing uh, GA I do, I do cater to that side of things as well but obviously with my GA background um I, kinda, I wanted to focus on and show people like how I was trained for GA and how I kind of went from like, I used to be quite overweight um, when I did my cruciate, um, I suppose that's how I got originally got really interested into into training, really, uh, you know, going into the depths of it. Because um, I was going to the gym, like I, I was on underage panels from under 14 up to minor at Roscommon. So I've kind of been always been given different programs and different circuits and, you know, body weight stuff and then going to the weights when I'm a little bit older. And um, I was kind of always pulling away at that. And when I got a bit older, then, you know, Facebook and Instagram was getting a little bit more popular. They start pulling from different workouts and I suppose I was pulling from the wrong things 
So I was looking at, you know, these like big bodybuilders and physique athletes and I was doing their workouts. And then I was wondering why am I getting any better at football? You know, I'm, I'm, I don't find I'm getting any faster or I'm pushing people off the ball. And I always thought my hamstrings were something I always kept, go, kept going for me. And I could never understand it. Uh, and I did my cruciate in 2016. Like, it, was a, it was an impact injury, but I feel like if I was doing more plyometrics, more jumps, it's something that might, might could have been avoided. But in the long run, getting the injury kind of I learned more about myself and what I need to be doing for training wise so it kind of it, it, it pushed me back but I learned more on the way so coming back from that I kind of got quite heavy because it was it was the second round of championship so when, when that went but that was a year was over for me so obviously I started you know eating whatever getting pizzas getting takeaways going out with the weekends I can enjoy myself which I think it has to be done as well you have to have your break you have to be able to enjoy yourself the weekend with your mates and that but I kind of went a little bit too far as in that my nutrition Monday to Friday or Monday to Saturday was off as well because I was like, oh, I'm injured now and I've sort of, like, nothing else to do. I'm just going to start eating bags of crisps and chocolates and getting takeaways more than once a week. And I kind of, I, I got up to a stage where I weighed myself and I was around 86 kilos and I'm only about five foot nine with a pair of shoes on nearly. So it was, it was very heavy for myself. And I was like, right, I have to do something now. Uh, I was obviously I was doing my, my rehab program for me and I was working away in the gym again doing bodybuilding workouts so I kind of put on a bit of size I didn't really couldn't really see any muscle I just looked really fluffy and um, that's when I got in contact then it was with Brian Keane Fitness who I actually work for now as well uh, I got, went on to his GEA program and from that I learned so much about how to train for like sports specific or for like performance based mixed in with kind of the aesthetic look as well because obviously Lad, you know, everyone wants to look good as well as, as performing well so I came through that uh, into 2017 and going from I think it was March I started on down to August or September we got as far as the semi-final in the championship and um, I'd lost about eight or nine kilos uh, I was kind of got to a stage then where I was too light so from the previous year to the next year it was kind of I got down too light I got my performance was okay uh, it wasn't it wasn't where I like I, I, I kind of hold myself to a high, high enough level I like playing been able to be you know I hold myself quite high and I felt like my performance wasn't just there because I had gone down to such a low level of body weight and such a low body fast that I wasn't eating right again learning as I'm going on so that was a, it was a better year than doing my cruciate but um I felt like my performances again weren't where I thought they could be so I started diving into different people then uh, talking with different coaches uh, getting books going to seminars uh, looking up uh, YouTube looking up podcasts and kind of getting a base from that from that as well so it wasn't the case that I suppose I know I've kind of gone around about answer what you asked me initially but to kind of go back to the question then how did I get into the account it wasn't the case that I was like one day I thought oh affect this I'm going to start a fitness account on Instagram because I go to the gym I had come through you know from, from 14 15 where it was coming all the way to you know I was 21 22 doing the wrong stuff and then from then on learn the right stuff so I was 25 when I started the account so there was about you know, a couple of years there that I was really focusing in on what I need to do for myself and what I found really good for GA players I suppose that's that's when I started the account <laughs> long-winded uh, answer for your question it's an absolute brilliant story Aris and uh, you mentioned uh, a lot of crucial injuries hamstring you've struggled with that I suppose we'll talk about hamstring later on it was talked with league Sunday mm-hmm. last Sunday it's an absolute huge problem for GA players coming back and I suppose going back to Crucius, I mean, I've seen, you know, county players, even the likes of Colin Cooper, Colin O'Neill, a few double players as well. Just, it was nearly a career-ending injury, Crucius. I think it was Liam O'Donovan as well for Cork um, over the last year. Like, it's a difficult injury to come back from, I imagine, as well. Yeah, it's it's a long one. Like, it is common. Like, it's been going on for years, and I suppose it's easy to kind of say, oh, it's happening more now. Um, but I think it's just because the, the speed of the game has increased and you know everyone is in better condition. They're nearly, if years ago when they weren't as good a condition, it didn't happen because they weren't going as hard or as fast or weren't able to keep going as much. Like I know, for example, Emlyn Mulligan in the Eitrim, uh, he did his he did one knee twice and another knee once and he's come back from that three times. So fair play to him for, for coming back a, a third or and again to do it and, and playing still at a high level in his 30s it's a long road back um i did it the pcl so it's the acl is the anterior crucial ligament that's the one that's the most common injury uh, that's uh, like a twist in motion so if your foot gets stuck in the ground and you're twisting uh, that's the one that normally goes what i did was the pcl which is it joins the the, the shin bone to the to the, uh, the thigh bone 
so it stops the leg hyperextending and bending the wrong way, basically. So I caught the ball, I landed, my leg got stuck in the ground and hyperextended, it bent the wrong way and I, I tore it going that way, which was it's, it's a little bit less of a common injury, but the rehab is quite similar. I didn't have to get uh, surgery, thankfully. Um, so it, it, it healed on its own. But like that, like it is a long road and you have to be, you have to stick to the rehab plan so much. Like it's, it's, I suppose you have to have the right mindset for it. You have to know going into it, like if I don't stick to this, or keep telling yourself, if I don't stick to this plan, it's going to put me out longer. Um, so I did mine in August. I was back playing in April in the league. And there was another fella on our team, actually, Michael McQueen, who was, uh, was the Leitrim captain a couple of years ago. He um, did his ACL in May, and uh, I did my PCL in, in August. And we, we pl- came back on the same game. Our first game back was um, in the league game in April, and both of us were actually playing full forward together, which was uh, funny. The both of us were terrified something was going to go wrong with the first game back. But um, I, I found my own personal experience of it, it was I found sometimes it's quite lonely. Um, especially when you're out on your own. You could, like I was out running on my own around December, January time. Uh, and you know like you're miles off you're nowhere near playing games you're you're doing the hard slogging that I suppose uh, people do it over the winter anyway but when you're when you know you're doing this and you're still miles away from getting anywhere you, you could only be running that you know 40 percent in a straight line and that's it that's that's your session and um, so it's really kind of you have to really build up your mental toughness um, and really like I keep telling yourself like what the end goal is you have to keep small little goals like uh, I think help me along the way like on a weekly basis was okay I follow my plan I do everything that the physio says this week and if I can do you know mobility increases a slight more or I was able to you know walk a little bit more up and down the stairs and I wasn't hurting as much or you know a little bit more recovery or just make little goals small achievable goals over time uh, kind of help me in, in the long run and sticking to the plan uh, which is the main thing especially when teams are back training that was the hardest thing and that's something I really uh, pulled myself away from was when the team is training on one side of the pitch and I'm off doing my runs on the other side, and like it's so easy to say, oh, sure, I'm feeling grand now. You know, I'll try to go back in here for a drill or two. I feel okay. And like that could set you back another month or two if you twinge that again. Like that could set you back further than you're, you're coming so far. You don't want to lose at this point where you're already this close. And so that was something I found was, it was that was the hardest thing, I think, was when you're that close coming back, you know, you're 70, 80%. And teams are training and they're playing games and they're having a laugh. And, you know, the, the crack is back at training and you're over the other side of the pitch and you're doing your shuttle runs or you're doing your figure eights or whatever the, whatever the physio plan is. And just to, to stick to the plan. I can't, I can't stress that enough for people coming back. Because I know I got people who, who message me looking for gym plans and looking for running plans. And they're saying, you know, I'm after, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm injured at the moment and my physio says I can do this much, but I want to do a plan instead of it. And I think wait until you get the full clear before you try and do something else because I don't want to be responsible for you making your injury worse by giving you a gym plan uh, if you're not fully fit. That's that's the main thing I'd say from any any injury at all. Stick to your physio's plan, and once you get the full clear, then go ahead onto onto different things and better things. But that from my experience, the hardest thing was to watching people training when you're doing your own your own rehab. It. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you there. I suppose. Once you do your recovery, you don't want to go back too early because you'll uh, undo that all hard work and all that. And I suppose uh, it's interesting just looking at county players. Like I'm going back now to um, the Kamoki Championship last year. I think Katie Power from Kilkenny did her ACL and she was at the touchline. She was a sort of a coach there. She, was, she wasn't retired or anything, but she was egging her teammates on to win that other than last year, I suppose. Would that have been a thing that you did for your club in the past when you had the ACL injuries as well? Yeah, yeah, I was at every game and I was trying to get as involved as I could. Like even I was going to training just to get out of the house because like I was saying, I was bored and I was doing nothing. And it's kind of it's easy to fall into this kind of as I was saying, you feel a bit lonely, but like you have to still be involved. You're still a part of the team. Like I, as I was saying, it was the second round of championship of the group stage, so I knew the year was gone. But like I could easily have fell into going home and, and watching FIFA or playing FIFA and watching telly and, and eating ice cream and feeling sorry for myself. Whereas look, we've been a team since what, we've trained in January, February time and it's August now. Like everyone has put in a massive effort. It'd be a shame to take myself away from that. Um, like unlucky, they lost the semi-final and it was, it was it, the kind of the loss to the champions or I think Manor won it that year. I'm not sure who won it in the end. But like, if you have to come with this far to a semi-final and if, if, that, if that was the case, they went on to win it. And I kind of say oh, heck this, I'm going sitting on my own here and not getting involved and helping the lads out with any way I can. Like I was getting water bottles, getting cones, just kicking balls out behind the goals before a game. And that's massively important. 
I think I've been on the other side as well where I've seen people who are injured and they're coming to games and they help out. It's like they still shows how you know committed they are to the team. It's not an individual effort. You you want to be able to say like you're a team at the end of the day. If someone's injured and they're they're still a part of the team, you don't forget about those. And on the other side, when you are trying to help out with an injury, it's nice to see people are still asking, how are you getting on? How is the recovery going? Oh, geez, we'd love if you're out here playing with us now today. Uh, which I think it's nice as well to get, like, you know, it's not uh, an ego thing, but it's nice that people are still like, just asking, how are you getting on? How's the knee? And everything like that. I think that helps them. I think it helps both people. Uh, I've been on both sides of it with people who are injured and I've been injured myself, unfortunately, more times than I'd, I'd care to, to admit to want to happen to anyone. Um, but like, you have to support the team. Even I was saying when I broke my hand uh, a couple of years ago, just been at games and been at trainings. Like I was doing my running sessions before games, just so I would didn't want to try and do anything during the game or or sit, tell the manager my hand was fine and try and come on. But like just show people that I'm still you know still part of the team and I'm still going to help out whatever way I can, and that you know I'm still doing the work as well. I think that it's good important for both sides that like you don't forget about the injured players. They're still part of the team. And then if you are injured, you want to show them as well, like I'm going to help out no matter how, however I can this year as well. Absolutely. Uh, you definitely have to help out to see. Even I've seen it in uh, my own club here in Cork. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. Even when players are recovering from injury, you know, from county training or whatever, they, they still come down, they fill water bottles, they help out whatever they can. And that's brilliant about the GA. Like it's a team you see, it's a team effort. And that's probably the best thing or to an individual quality, I suppose. And I suppose you mentioned uh, you were the Roscommon Miners as well, from under 14 up to minor. And how was that, you know, uh, playing with the Roscommon team? And how did it differ to club, for example? It was it was great. So my, my club at home, we're called St. Ronan's, and uh, we were in very north Roscommon. We're the most northern team in Roscommon. And uh, growing up, we're, I was always, we're always the lowest division. Um, and we always would have been like, quote unquote, the whipping boys. Like if we won one game a year, that was like, that was our, the greatest thing ever for us. And it, was, it was never fun. Like at the club level, like you don't want, you don't want that to be the case, but it, that was, that's just the way it was with us. Uh, and we like, had a couple of good years underage and that. So I was very lucky in that sense to be involved with underage teams um, from under 14 up to minor. Um, it was a great experience. Like you, you get exposed to playing with players in division one, uh, Division Two and all the other uh, club teams as well. Um, I went. I was lucky enough. I went to school in Boyle, which had the likes of Enda Smith in there. So I, I Enda Smith is the same football age as me. So I grew up from under fourteen up to minor at Enda, uh, and that kind of kind of core team that uh, the Roscommon team now. Like I was, like I was, I made two minor panels and I got dropped from two minor panels. So I was, I was, I wasn't that quite at that level. Um, that I was, I was making you know twenty four or starting or anything like that. I, I got dropped before the championship both years, unfortunately. But um. I've taken loads away from it and like even just seeing that group of players that were my age that they're the, the lads that were playing and I wasn't good enough to play with like that's the core team that have won two uh, championships now which is unbelievable to see especially seeing end of a captain as well someone that I, I grew up with in school and, and played football with and all them lads growing up with like it's great to see um, people you personally know well uh, getting on so well uh, again I've taken loads from it like even just the small things coaches have said over the years uh, or even training games it's always stuff you look back fondly on like it just trips away uh, you know on a bus like the small things that you kind of you always remember and we won um, the Ted Webb the under, under 16 comic championship uh, we won that uh, in 2010 again which is great like uh, as a 16 year old you're winning comic championships like that obviously they've gone on to continue on that success again at senior level which is great to see um, and like I, I won a, I got the, a league title with the minors uh, in 2012 and I was dropped then before the championship. So I've got a couple of medals in my arse pocket now. There's nothing to, to write home about, nothing now you wouldn't be showing off at a, 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 to anyone important or anything like that. But like, it's nice to say that I've got two county medals playing for Roscommon and playing for my county. And um, I can always say I've represented them at, at some level, which I think um, it's not many people get the opportunity to do and I'm great, very grateful for it. Um, but like that, I it came to in, at senior level now with the club. I, I I was 21 at the time. I made a transfer to Carrick and Shannon, St Mary's and Leitrim. Um, I think it was, look, we got we've been in relegation finals and we got relegated. And at the time, I was young and I was, I was after getting a job um, away from home, I, I moved into Carrick and Shannon. It's only about 20 minutes away from home, so it wasn't a case that I was I could have been could not have been travelling home. Um, I just I, could, I suppose my own selfishness took over and I wanted to, to win something. I wanted to play at a, at a higher level. I wanted to play at senior level and I had ambitions of playing county and stuff. And I, I, I didn't think I was going to get it. And my own selfishness, 
um, I didn't think I was going to get that. So I transferred for a couple of years and I did my cruise in, uh, on my travels, which I think is a, a bit of karma for me. I, I, I took that one with a, um, on the chin. Um, but I went back to my old club then, I went back home in, in 2019 as well, which again, I, I was very grateful to be able to, I was able to be accepted back back home and, you know, people weren't like, oh, you left, fuck you, now good luck, we, we won't see you again. I was able to come back and there was a mutual when I left Carrick, it wasn't the case that I wasn't getting my game. I was like, oh, well, fuck this. I'm going back to where I know I can get a game. You know, it was before the, the senior league and like the last game I played was um, uh, was a senior championship semi-final where I was starting wing forward. So that was like where I'd left them. So it wasn't the case that I was going playing league and not getting started. And then I said, oh, I'm going back now because I'm not getting my game. Um, so that was really that was a really nice moment to be able to come back home to, to the home club, um, you know, where I grew up and where... How, where I became a footballer in the first place like if, if, if it wasn't for the club or, or growing up in Roscommon and playing on those development teams like I wouldn't have been able to go off and play for a senior club somewhere else so I'm forever grateful for that and I think it was my immaturity at the time to think that it'd be fine I can go off and, and leave uh, but the older I got the more I realised how important the club is I think one of the years Carrick had like it must have been 10 or 12 lads coming through from minor level to to play senior that year whereas our club has been amalgamated underage the last I don't know how many years I think it might have been 2013 or 2014 was the last time they had a, a senior or a minor team on their own. After that, there's been two or three clubs amalgamated together. And I think that kind of opened my eyes, really, that there's nearly a team of underage lads coming through in one town. That and I'm after leaving a place that if I went back, I'm more of an or more of an addition to to a club at home where the numbers are struggling. Uh, to to I, I'm gonna be eyes replacing character like that. I was gone. Like uh, probably, I probably quite, I was probably lucky that I I left before my place was gone because some of the lads that were coming through that year, uh, I think were, would have taken the place off me anyway. If they're going on onto Leitrim panels now, um. So I was, uh, in that sense, I was lucky. I, I left before um the the big boys start coming in, but it was great to come home and and, and enjoy that again. But again, long winded answer. The Roscommon journey from underage up was great to, to be able to to say I could represent my county, especially from a from a rural club like mine, which hasn't been known to producing too many players over the years. I've had a couple, but um, it was, I'm always going to be a, a St. Rowan's player and I'm glad I was able to represent Roscommon at some stage. It seems like an absolutely amazing journey. It's all coming back to me as well. I was um, lucky enough to go to an all the quarterfinal, Cork Kildare. I think before that, correct me if I'm wrong now, but Roscommon, I think, were playing against Kerry that year and I think that might have been the same team as yourself, would have been. Yeah, that was yeah, that was the second year. I um, I was drafted year. I was dropped both years, so I didn't. I'd never made it to Crow Park, but um, yeah, that was, they played that year and, and the year before then they played um, they lost Tipperary, uh, who went on to win it. They bet Dublin. They lost Tipperary in, in an All Ireland semi final as well. So that they're kind of that they're kind of conditioned to be going on playing that that well and, and getting that far in the year, which is great. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant, and I suppose. Look at uh, Ross Common football, even when you were under 16 at the time in 2010, that same year, they actually won a Connacht title. Mm. Some people were actually shocked they won that against Sligo after Sligo beat Mayo and Galway, of course. But then, underage success with the likes of Edna Smith, as you said, unbelievable player, obviously, now for Ross Common, and she's a brilliant leader for the team. And even you mentioned Tipperary, they were uh, competitive in Munster above Kerry and Cork for years. I suppose, does that, does that show if there's Youth developments put in place for a certain county, no matter how big or small they are, they could excel in future years. Yeah, I think so. I think when Roscommon won the yeah. All Ireland two thousand and six, there were um, again that was the, one of the biggest underdog stories ever. Like they were the the whipping boys of Connacht underage for years, and when Fergal O'Donnell took them over, they were massive underdogs to, to win Connacht. Never mind the All Ireland. And that kind of realize I think there must have been some realization. Right, we need to pump money into this underage system now. And that, that was the system I grew up in. And that was, there was so much emphasis on the underage um, around that time. And if you look back in that 2010 team, like the only shine score and what was it, 12, 12 or 13 points, uh, David Keane was part of that team as well. Like they're both lads who would come from that minor team. And that was kind of, I know they were underdogs that day, but um, they went on to win it. So I think there was the kind of the carry on from 2006 then to 2010. And then again, at the it was just, underage it needs to be pumped in and it cannot be developed enough like it, when it comes to this stage if you have a couple of good teams that come through from underage all you're going to need is one or two lads every year to, to come in and, and tip away on top of that and um, like, if you look at the likes like a Galway have been doing quite well under, under 20 championships and minor championships Cork are the same and it's come to this stage now they're nearly like only one or two lads away there from you know making a really good team 
uh, and challenging uh, for the, the top people as well. I know, like Kerry, they, they've never been, they've been amazing underage. Like they've, they've won, I think, with the four minors in a row now, and if I'm wrong, um, but they were never always known for winning everything underage. They always had one or two lads come through, and that made the difference then uh, in, in the team in, in the long run. Then it's just, that's all you need when you have that mixture of experience and a mixture of, of youth. And, and if they're battling away, training for places, they can only imagine how tough that's going to be. The 15 that they pick on the day then is going to be the, the strongest 15 that they have. But yeah, I don't think enough emphasis can be put on underage system, especially at club level as well. I think that sometimes it's easy to, to give young lads a bag of balls and go off and just play a game for an hour. But I think the fundamentals can't be taught enough. And obviously have the element of, of fun and enjoyment as well. But I think the, the fundamentals can't be taught enough, even at a county level underage. It's just You have to work the basics before you try to replicate any of the difficult stuff or the, the big teams you see on telly on the, uh, every weekend. Yeah, absolutely correct there. I suppose you look at the Roscommon teams and then that um, led it to Connacht titles and the likes of 17 and 19 and all them years. And you wouldn't have really dreamt of uh, Roscommon winning two Connacht titles in three years. Like Mayo uh, only won, they only they won their first one since 2015 last year. Like it's it's absolutely brilliant for a county like Roscommon and Tipperary as well. And underage is definitely important. So you're definitely correct there. And I suppose uh, another milestone in your career, you actually took part in the underdogs team for TG Carr in 2018, um, alongside Eamon Donoghue, an Irish Times uh, journalist there as well. It, it was a brilliant experience. You played Dublin. You were beaten well that day, <laughs> let's be honest. But um, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was an absolute brilliant experience to play the All-Ireland Champions in Parnell Park that day. Like, it was a brilliant experience, I must imagine, that year. Yeah, it was it was amazing. Like I, I think the, the best part didn't even make the telly. It, it was the crack that we all had, like on going to and from trainings and games and in the, in the houses and stuff. And that was, it was an unbelievable experience. Like to be honest, like the game was we did the game didn't really matter. Like the, the whole journey as far as the game was was more enjoyable than the game. Uh, like we uh, were playing a, a probably a fifth or sixth string Dublin team. There was a couple of a couple of famous heads there. I think it was Owen Merchant and Johnny Cooper were the only two that. You know, let's call it spade a spade. People knew who they were. There's a couple of names that you were recognised around panels. You know, like I think the keeper uh, Andy Bunyan was in around league panels, and there might have been a couple of come from that. I, I, I might be right with saying uh, Sean Bulger was there. I'm not fully sure, but at the time there was only a couple of established names, and the rest were um, they were using it as a trial game. But like like I was saying, the journey up into the game was the most important bit, and and going through the weeks and getting and like been up for the chop and lads going home and. You know, that's to try and make it a bit uh, enjoyable for telly as well. But like that, we started in May or was it May? Yeah, it was May bank holiday. The first trial was, or it might be the week beforehand. And uh, going from there, like and getting getting the chop, and, and you know they're cutting it down. Like obviously to make it enjoyable for telly as well. But like we made friends there. Like we still have our group chat, and we're still chatting away on a regular basis as well. And uh, we had we had a reunion then the following year when the the second underdogs were playing Mayo. And uh, hopefully now when everything, all the restrictions ease up again, we're able to meet up again and have the crack. But I, I know a couple of lads uh, from Longford and Sligo uh, got a, got a, they played a couple of league games and they're there, thereabouts, which is great to see. And, and, and Fintan Cooney from Galway as well got called into the league. He played in, he played against Dublin in the league the following year as well. It was great to see a lot of lads that have come through that and they got on and got their chance, um, which I think was, again, was the purpose of the show. But uh, the journey itself was amazing. Um, I, I could talk. I could talk about it all day, uh, like this, the different trainings and up in the curragh. Like the, there was days in the curragh. I missed the first day because I, I had a game myself. But I opened the second day. It was soul searching. It was how tough it was running up this hill and like they only showed maybe a thirty second clip on the telly, and we we're there for about five or six hours out in the curragh pulling logs about the place. Like there was a thing we did that wasn't even shown on the telly. It was a, a big circle of rope, and we were doing a four way tug of war. And we're doing like one man would leave and run around and we're coming back to the corner. And we're pulling down this rope for about 15 minutes, like four different teams pulling the rope, trying to see who would win. And we're absolutely bust after this. And we had to carry these logs and sandbags and these like dummies that were like 70 kilos to replicate a man. Uh, we're running about a mile and then we come up to this Braveheart Hill. I'm not sure if anyone's familiar with the Curra. And uh, we had to push a tire up, but we only had 30. It was like, again, it was the four teams or whatever it was. You only had 30 seconds to go up and then we'd come back to the starting point. So by after about four or five minutes, then you're by the time you get to the tire, you're coming back again, and then you might move two or three steps up. And we're doing this, which felt like an absolute eternity. And um, 
and we at the end of it then there was such in the feeling getting up to the top of that then and everyone was just you know giving high fives slapping each other on the back like just th- things like that like you'll never forget like that was something that we kept saying to ourselves like in our trains and games and stuff like remember remember Braveheart Hill remember the Coral lads we can get through this game if we're able to get through that together now we can get through this game and I kind of, you kind of build a bond with all the lads that were there through that through the hard work and just seeing like how you can get through something that tough when you think you're absolutely gone and you see someone making a sprint it just gives you that boost of energy just right sick if he can do that I can, I can go another couple of runs here now myself especially during games like if you think you're a boost and you see someone making a run up for your, from your team it gives you that same bit of motivation that same bit of energy and like, again like that's playing against played against the army team we played against UCD we played against Moorfield you know, played against other teams that you're never going to play against uh, on, a, on your normal life like we were down at, at the at, in the Currens in Kerry as well and we got to see the Kerry Centre of Excellence we got to train on that pitch again which is something that I'd never had got the chance to do that in my life and getting to see that and get get getting talks from these people like um, the late Eamon Ryan we got a chat from him which again is something that we, we all sat there in absolute silence for about half an hour when he was talking to us and like just words of wisdom from people and just small chats you'd have with your friends and the coaches and stuff that you know, it's something that you'd never, I, I, well, I'd never, never forget that as, as long as, as long as I can remember anyway. I, um, like friendships made there for life uh, and the experience that we went through, I think it's, it's going to be hard topped um, in, in terms of, of football and, and, and personal things. Um, the journey was amazing. And uh, if anyone has, if, it, if they come back again and you're anyways unsure, you know, whatever about people make, or when, they, when we lost the game like uh, social media saying oh they're absolutely shite and why would you even bother going out and doing that right play better myself like it's very easy to say that when, you, when you're on the couch watching it and, and it's a it's a Dublin team like it's a different animal but like if any chance comes up like that again I'd, I, if I could play apply again I would but I'd, I highly recommend anyone trying to do that because I'll tell you one thing you, you'd not um, you wouldn't forget it and you wouldn't not enjoy it it was an amazing experience yeah, I'd imagine so. It was an absolute brilliant experience. And as you said, it's all about the crack most of the time. And you mentioned that um, thing in the car where you're pushing up tires and all that. Like, it's funny because I was chatting to Alan Manny, the winner of Ireland's for his family last year. And you just don't notice how tough they are, just tough these challenges are, just looking at the TV mm-hmm. and saying, gee, so I could do that. And then you go into the course or whatever. And, Geez, you'd struggle with it the first two seconds or something like that. And it's absolutely amazing how, how bad you'd struggle at it. But um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. It is about the crack and all that. And you said Owen Merchant and Johnny Cooper were playing. By any chance, were you marked, uh, marked by any of them two? No, I wasn't. I got close enough to smell Johnny Cooper at one stage. That was it. <laughs> Actually, Michael Fitzsimons was the other cornerback. Uh, he, he was marking uh, and my old man, Cor- uh, Cormac Dutton. Um, I wasn't on him, thankfully, no. But uh, yeah, Michael Simon was the other cornerback. I was on, I can't even remember the guy I was on. I think he was on a trial. Uh, the ball didn't come to me too often anyway for, for much to be done. But I think I touched the ball twice, maybe three times on the day. But at one stage, I think I, I ran past Cooper and I gave him a little shove just to say that I was on the same pitch as him. <laughs> as close as I got to them. Oh my God. <laughs> I'd imagine doing that to Johnny Cooper though. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but him... But anyway, um, just uh, looking at, uh, I suppose we'll go to the present about uh, the championship nowadays. And uh, mm-hmm. obviously, you've had your fair share of hamstring injuries or ACLs. We've talked about ACLs, but you mentioned on League Sunday last Sunday about Michael Murphy, Paddy Burns from Armagh. Another one was uh, John Small, of course, from Dublin, all suffering hamstring injuries only the second week back. And I suppose. Mm-hmm. Is it tough to recover from a hamstring injury? I know it's tough to recover from an ACL, but is it just as tough to recover from that type of injury, a hamstring as well? Yeah, hamstrings are very tricky injuries because you might feel that you're fine. And it's really hard to test a hamstring because if you're jogging, like in the fine, feeling fine, you won't know how it is until you actually go to sprint. And that's, it's such a catch-22. Like you might feel like I'm two or three weeks here now and do my rehab. I'm doing my running and I'm progressing slowly. I feel okay. Until you go 100%, you might feel like, oh no, that's, that's not right at all. That's still not right. And the tricky one is you have to be so patient with it. And again, as I was saying with the, with the knee rehab, just follow the rehab, follow the physio's advice as much as you can um, and really strengthen them up. Like if, if you haven't been doing anything now, like just trying to pull it to club level as well, um, if you've been waiting until the dates were, were announced and like you weren't too pushed on doing anything, uh, I know leagues are starting in a couple of weeks, but like if you want, if you're looking long term and you're looking to like get ready for championship, 
I wouldn't be going hell for leather and training now the next two or three weeks to try and get fit for the league because you could end up pulling a hamstring and that could set you out for the rest of the year or that could set you out that you're only coming back for a championship. If you're aiming to be championship fit for a championship, don't overdo it in the training. Like, um, it, it, it's, if it's happening at a county level, the lads who've been doing all the, have the best of the best strength and conditioning and uh, gym work and all they're running is the top of the top and they're pulling hamstrings, that's going to show you how you know easy they can go. Like, doesn't matter how well you're conditioned, you still not might be able to pull a hamstring if you're, even if you're Michael Murphy or John Small. Like that's just it's one of those things that can happen. I think I've seen an article the other day and it actually kind of made sense that the, like the league usually starts in or the, the FBD leagues and that start in, in January, February when the pitches are softer and like the, the ball isn't moving as fast or the ball is not moving as fast. Players aren't running as fast and they're not covering as much ground because the ground is softer and it's just easier to kick the ball. But when they're going into their first games in May where the ground is a little bit harder and they're moving at a higher speed and moving a bit more intense for their first game of the year. Whereas if they had got a league under their belt in the, in the soft ground and then they're coming into championship ball in May and June, they've already got that level of fitness up and they've got them miles in their feet already. Whereas their first running is on a nice dry pitch and they're going at full speed and they might not have been doing that in training because the pitch is only getting soft now. That's possibly why the hamstrings are going. So just for advice for, for club players, if, if you haven't been able to do anything or you know you haven't been able to get out and do home workouts or you, you weren't fussed about doing it until you, the days came back uh, and now you're like, oh, fact, league is in two or three weeks' time, I need to get fit. Be smart with your training. Don't go out now and try and, you know, do 5Ks and do 100 sprints and do gym workouts and they all open again. And then you're going to be under-recovering and over-training um, specific body parts like if you're doing too much on the legs and then you go and try and play a game and you're trying to sprint like it, it's a recipe for for injury be smart with your with your training like if, if you can only play 20 minutes in a game or play 40 minutes or whatever it is and you have to come off that's fine like no one is going to give out to you if you've given everything and you have to come off whereas if you do something silly and try and do 100 sprints or, or do something the day before a game or two days before a game and you can't play because you're injured you know, that's, that's more annoying for yourself because you're thinking, oh, like I was trying to do better and I should have I had more time to get ready here and I didn't. Just be smart with your training. It's not the end of the world. If you haven't done anything and now you're, you're, you feel like you're behind, there's still loads of time for a championship. Uh, I think that every county is the same. The championships aren't going to start and the county teams are out of the championship, uh, the inter-county championships. So if you want to use that as, as, as when you're going to peak, that, that could be a, a better option as opposed to trying to get as fit as you can now and for you know two or three weeks time whereas you you could end up doing too much work uh not recovering right and end up pulling your hamstring because hamstring is such a funny one uh i don't think they can be strengthened enough that's something i learned in the last couple of years um strengthening hamstrings is something i always do even if i'm doing my in-season training and i'm like tapering down and working on power i always do hamstring work that I'd be working and strengthening them or just building them a little bit because I've learned from experience if I neglect them at all, I, I end up pulling them. And that's just, I I just have weak hamstrings. Like it's something I've always kind of suffered with and I've, I've really worked on it the last couple of years. And thankfully I haven't had a hamstring injury now in the last couple of years. I've had a couple of other ones and I've had a couple of knocks here and there with something I'm consciously trying to always make sure that they're strong and they're at a level that they're able to take the sprinting because uh, I think that's where the most of it is, is at that top end speed when you're sprinting and accelerating uh, I don't think people realise how much of the force goes into the hamstrings as well like, you know, like the glutes and the quads and you know glute firing and glutes, glutes, glutes is all that's mentioned in SNC and especially coming down to club level in GAA circles anyway but like the, the hamstrings are just as important like that's the most common injury you see is people pulling hamstrings like so I think they should probably be prioritised over glutes nearly in, in some cases like especially if people have been doing a lot of 5Ks and a lot of long distance running where they're not going above that kind of 56% of their maximum intensity, then they're going into sprinting and shuttling and turning and running and doing all sorts and jumping and kicking. Like the legs aren't used to that. So just ease back into it. Don't try and, you know, burn the candle at both ends by doing catching up with the work you're, you're, you thought you've missed out on and trying to get match fit and trying to make a team in that. Like it's, be smart with your training, I suppose, is the best thing to say. Um, and like you never want to see someone going down with a hamstring because if you've ever pulled a hamstring yourself, you know how how annoying it is, how sore it is. And especially if you've seen the top inter-county uh, players, it, that's what's happened to them. It just goes to show like how successful people are uh, at a going. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant advice for a club and I hope uh, club players are listening to it all right. And what I'm thinking as well, like some teams, the likes of Westmead or Leash, they know realistically in their heart and soul they're not going to win a Leinster title with Dublin around, even the likes of Kildare, Mead. Their aim is to get up to Division 1, Division 2, etc. 
they have to go hell for later in the league rather than the championship. Would you feel sorry for some of them players that have to go hell for later in the league rather than the championship, rather than the like of Dublin, Kerry, Donegal, for example? Yeah, I suppose like it, it is hard with, with, the, with the beast. It is Dublin and Leinster that, like, if, yeah, realistically, like, it's, it's going to be who's going to be a runner up. Now, I'm sure that that's not their mentality. And that, I think I'm sure that it's, it's easy for us to say that uh, on the outside. Like, they, I, I'm sure that they don't go in now thinking, oh, well, we're going to be second place here. They're always thinking that they can cause the upset. And I think that's the mentality that they have. Um, obviously, they want to go up the league. Uh, everyone wants to be in the, in the highest league position to be able to say you're in Division One or Two or whatever, whatever the case may be. So they might be more emphasis on the league, all right, like you're saying, and the championship, again, would be just as important. It'd be, it'd be a bigger task, the championship, depending on the draw. Um, that it, it would be, it'd be a longer year for them, for sure, if they're focusing on the league and then there's a break and then they're going into the championship and, and not knowing what the draw is going to be and, and what the back door is and how many weeks you're going to be playing in a row, depending on a loss or a win. Surely it's going to be very difficult for them, and, and their year might look a lot different than someone like the likes of Dublin, who are going to, you know, use the league as as a test now players, and you know, then if they need to bring back the big guns to uh, stay away from relegation, that they can do that then. And even the start of the Leinster Championship, you always see a couple of um the red, the big guys rest like Cluxon doesn't usually appear until, you know, maybe even halfway through the Leinster Championship, depending on what they start, uh, and that they start their injuries, which again it's. It's just, that's just the way it is. Like I think we people have talked about Dublin for how long now, and um, I think it's been covered on all bases. Uh, but I know with the weaker or so, so quote unquote weaker teams that the league is is probably just as important as the championship. But I, I still think that they wholeheartedly believe that they're going to be the ones that are going to cause an upset whoever plays Dublin. I think that's the mentality you have to have that you think you're going to be able to win the game and be able to beat them in in, in one on ones or wherever the the tactics is. You now you might have to go a bit more defensively, but the game plan is to be able to beat them and look if you don't and, and you get hammered look that's just the way it is but I, I don't think it's, it's a case that like oh we're going to have to get the league and the championship is just going to be oh sure look we'll see what happens and we'll get as far as we can I think you have to go into every game wanting to win it and I, I think inter-county players have that mentality that they want to win they, they're not going just there because they get a few a few tops and they get a few likes on Instagram because they're playing county they're there to represent their county because they want to play for you know, wherever the, the team is, and they want to be able to go as far as they can. And I think that, especially when you get in a group of players like that, like, <laughs> as silly as it sounds, like, we thought we were going to beat Dublin in the underdogs. We thought we were going to cause an upset. We had our, we had our tactics. We had everything laid out. And we thought, like, we we're, going to, we we're going to cause an upset now. We we're going to shake a few feathers. And that, after about 10 minutes, that plan was out the window, and it was just kind of, you get through the game. But that, that's the mentality you have to have. You have to be able to go into a game thinking that you're you're going to win. And if, if you don't have the mentality, I don't think that you'll be, you'll be on the panel just starting on teams. Where if you are, you're certainly hiding it very well. You have to be able to be confident in your own ability and be confident in your team's ability. Like these are lads, you probably know these people more than anyone else in, in your life. You're probably training four or five times a week collectively or in gym sessions or there's group chats or whatever. You're constantly talking or watching videos or whatever. Like these, you probably know these people more than some of your childhood friends at this stage over the last couple of years if they're in a panel for years. Um, like they're, I'd say they probably know more about them than they want to know about them, that kind of way. And yes, I'm sure they I think every week going out they're going to win. And if they don't, I think that um, they, they probably wouldn't even be making the panels in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. You're right in everything you say there. And I suppose just looking at uh, general predictions, like you mentioned Dublin, the beast that they are, they're going for seven in a row this year. Do you think possibly someone like a Tyrone or a Kerry or even a Donegal could stop Dublin possibly? Or do you think it's going to be a long period of Dublin dominance, maybe up to 10 in a row maybe? I don't know. Like they have been close to getting better a few times. Like even in the six and all, like having the replays they had with with Mayo and, and same with Kerry. Like like the first game with Kerry was it last year or the year before when um when Paul Murphy shot was touched onto the crossbar by Cluxton. Like if that goes over or under, the game's over. They they've won that by a point or by a goal. But like that's just how like not I wouldn't say look it was a fantastic save, but like that doesn't hit the crossbar. That's Kerry win that game. That's how close it is. Just millimeters. Of uh, of that going Kerry's way, so I think like it's it, they're not walking away with all of them. Like I know last year the final was, it, it wasn't as exciting as previous years, and there was a couple or and with the bet Tyrone one year by six or seven points as well. I was, I was at that game. Uh, it's not as exciting. You want a tight final, and you want someone to be able to compete with them. And I think 
like I, I'd hope it's not a case that they win 10 in a row and it's just a given every year that they're going to win. I think everyone enjoys the championship that there's going to be talk of someone beating them. And I think this year, especially with the league and, and the drawing game there at the weekend, Kerry are looking like like they could do something this year. Um, and the other they're, they're side, Division 1 as well, like there's some great players going on there, some great scores as well. So it's going to be a really interesting championship to see um, uh, who's going to stop the dubs is, is probably the, the most asked question on, on everyone's uh, podcast and, and, and Instagram posts for the talking about GAA. But I think it's, I don't think that they're going to walk away with it this year. I hope not. I hope it's a competitive championship and I hope all the games kind of go down to the wire and the kick of a ball. Like if Dublin win a couple more in a row, but they're challenged every step of the way and they put it out of the bag on the day, fair play. Like that, I, I'd rather, I wouldn't mind that seeing that as much as it be a case that they walk through un, unscathed and, you know, they might have a, a scary 10 minutes in a final, but then they pull away. If they get challenged to the end of the line and, and something like Dean Rock kicks over a 40 metre free to win it, like the time against Mayo when, when Keegan was throwing the GPS at him, like that's something that, if that's the case that it happens and it comes down to a kick of a ball, you know, it, it's tight. Like that is, eventually it is going to happen. And I hope it's a, it's a competitive championship anyway. Um, can I see Dublin being bet? I don't know. It, it's hard to, to, back, to bet against them, but I think that it, it's, it's coming like the, it can't go on forever. Uh, that someone someone's going to someone's going to meet them eventually. I hope that it's, it it doesn't go on too long and it comes to the stage then where it's not enjoyable to watch. But going off the couple of rounds of the league so far, it's been great watching. It's great to see it back and I, I hope that it's a competitive championship and I hope someone gives them a good rattle anywhere, gives them a good game, and uh, it, it'd be interesting to see who, who can do it. Yeah, I hope it happens too, I suppose. And uh, I've been talking to some people in podcasts and all that, and they've been mentioning last year they possibly didn't play a Division One side last year, like me, or technically Division Two, and mm. they didn't play Kerry after Kerry's collapse against Cork. They didn't play Tyrone, Donegal collapsed against Cavan. You know, maybe if they had, you know, more competitive opposition, they could be challenged, but... We'll hope it'll happen anyway. We need a new winner in the football championship. And um, I suppose just on your own county general predictions, Ross Common, uh, unfortunately, you're guaranteed to finish bottom of the Division Mm. 1 South group. Unfortunately, most likely it's going to be our man, the relegation playoff, the way things are going to play out with Seabos this weekend, at least. But how do you, what do you see as a success for Ross Common this year? Is it a kind of championship or staying up at Division 1 or maybe both? I think I can't. Like championship is always like it's always there for for that Roscommon team. Like it's they've won it as you're saying, 2017, 2019. Uh, it's funny like Roscommon are the most up and down uh, team in Division One and Two. Like the the West Brom or the Norwich of, of the Premier League. Like they're nearly they're nearly too good for Division Two, but not quite good enough for Division One. If if there was a Division One and and a half, they'd, they'd be perfect in there. Um, I think they certainly have the quality to um to win a kind to win a kind championship. Um, and to progress a little bit further, I think um, it's just it's, it's sometimes I think it's just on the day what kind of team turns up and and, uh, and what kind of mentality is. I'm not sure. Sometimes you feel like there they could. I'm not sure if there was a kick up the arse the day before or something that they, they don't have the bite in them. But like some days when they come out and like just say looking at that uh, game against me was a couple of years ago when Connor Cox was kicking points for fun in McHale Park and and suddenly finally like that if if they can play like that they can produce these amazing performances um, I think sometimes it can be a little bit inconsistent with the performance like it was funny when they lost to Dublin last week by nine points you know, it, it was nearly like oh geez, they did well for losing for only losing to nine points to Dublin and then they could then come out to Kerry or to a Galway team that got absolutely hammered by Kerry and they come out and lose to that Galway team then as well it's kind of like if you had played as well against Dublin, maybe you could have done better against Galway. But again, it's easy easy for me to say here, sitting on my hole, watching them on, on the telly. Um, obviously, the game's coming thick and fast, and they, you, know, you never know until you're actually playing playing on the pitch and, and you're there. It's a different game every week, and you can only play who's in front of you. And I think it's... Um, I obviously hope, hope the best for them. I always believe that they, they can do well, um, especially this group of lads, I think, especially growing up with them and playing with them underage and stuff, you know, the quality that's there. And like you, uh, when we could watch a couple of club championship games, you'd be familiar with some of the people and what they could do at club level. So it's, it's definitely a case that I think that there's always a kind of championship in the team. Um, it's just it it depends what how they perform on the day. I suppose same same as any team. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, maybe they could stay in Division One, and maybe a kind of championship is there for them. Like Mayo have uh, lost all the older lads. Galway 
are very inconsistent. I, I stupidly actually tipped Galway for the All Ireland last year, given their leave form, but they they were very poor after lockdown and they've been poor ever since. I think that was their first win after lockdown last week. Unfortunately, it was against Ross Common, but maybe Galway could kick on. But it's going to be a competitive championship other than Dublin. Like Connacht's always competitive in my eyes, anyway. Even Sligo coming up through the ranks, they look very good in Division Four. Maybe they could pull a surprise. You never know. And I suppose just one more question, guys. It's a new thing mm-hmm. I brought into the podcast. It's um involves a five-a-side Gaelic football team. Now, you could pick anyone you want, really. It could be a legend of the game or any current brilliant players right now, or, of course, from your own county, by all means, in Roscommon as well. So who would you pick in your five-a-side Gaelic football team? I was thinking about this. You, you, you mentioned it before we came on. Um I was thinking I might go one from, from each county because I think you could do a full Dublin side there and, and you'd be, you wouldn't have to think twice about it. So I said I might try and do something that you're going to take one from, from each county trying to mix it up a little bit. Um, and I was thinking I didn't realise we could go from legends and that, but I think I had kind of had a team from a current kind of play from a standpoint anyway. Um, I, I think I had Rory Began gold um, just for being able to launch that ball ahead 60, 70 yards up the pitch. Or um, a great shot stopper as well, and just able to take a score as well as um as a keeper. I think it's something that we're seeing more of. I think I I, I thought about Nine Morgan, and I thought about Sean Patton as well. I didn't want to go too much Dublin uh, with Cluxton. I think it's an easy one to choose. So I I think I put Roy Began gold. I'm gonna go with um I'm gonna go attack. And I'm gonna go one defender, one midfielder, and two forwards just because I have to have to score goals. I'll come back to defender. I'm still unsure as a defender. I'm going to put um, uh, in the Smith midfield. Um, I think I'd have to put someone from Roscommon in there. Um, I think I'm going to put Enda, Enda in there in midfield. Uh, David Clifford up front. Uh, I think I'm going to... Oh, I'm going to put him... Yeah, I'll put Shane Walsh and David Clifford up front and I'll put James McCarthy in back. So it'll be Rory Began in goals, James McCarthy in the back, in the Smith midfield, David Clifford and Shane Walsh up front. Quite attacking. Um, but look, at you have, you have to score goals to win. Absolutely, goals win games, and I suppose it is very refreshing. You just said uh, one county per team. You might have five Dublin players in in there, definitely. But um, I suppose you look at um, yeah, my two previous guests actually had Stephen Cluxton in goal as well, and it was great. You mentioned Roy Began because Roy Began, I think, is an outstanding goalkeeper, maybe up there with the second best in Ireland. Noel Morgan, you could argue as well. Sean Patton, it is very tough and. I was mentioning my top five Gaelic footballers yesterday. It is very hard. There's a lot of great Gaelic footballers out there, definitely. I suppose we'll uh, wrap it up there, guys. Cheers for coming on. And I wish you the best of luck with your fitness accounts and the GA season overall in, for your club uh, this year. Thanks very much for having me on. Really enjoyed that now. And thanks again yesterday for coming on to my page and having a chat. I really enjoyed that as well. A big thank you to Gary for coming on today. And thank you for listening to the episode. Don't forget to give the podcast a rating on Apple. And until next time, I'll see you then. Take care.